just a heads up for all of our YouTube watchers. We had a little something happen, and the video for this episode has been sent off to a farm to grow old playing with other videos. So this episode will just be audio and a logo, and where appropriate, I will place photos in the feed. So if you want to see what we're talking about, because we do start talking about specific photos in this episode, they will be in the video at that point. So you might want to stick on YouTube, but just don't stare at your screen because that would get pretty boring pretty quick. Shop Talk Live number 202, Anissa, Barry, myself. Get a little silly, we get a little sad, we run the gamut of emotions on this episode. It is here. Tools and Shops 2020 should be in your mailboxes or digital mailboxes, whichever you do, however you like it. That's the way we provide it. We've got Bob Van Dyke demonstrating his foolproof surface prep and how to sharpen a card scraper. Israel Martin talks about his hand-to-only workshop in Spain. Mason McBrien builds a simple weekend workbench that anybody could put together with just some plywood. Jason Stevens and Matt Cremona talking about turning your logs into lumber. Tim Manny with a extended tool rest for a lathe for turning spindles and chair parts. There is a gentleman's tool chest. It's a late 1800s tool chest design that not only houses all of your tools, but turns into a workbench. It's kind of a wacky design, but avid tool collector Rick Long built it and we documented the journey. Peter Follinsby, who turns out listens to this here podcast. Wow. That's intimidating. Peter Follinsby writes an article about a joiner's toolkit. And we also have a new column in this issue all about the science of woodworking. And it's written by furniture maker and scientific writer Maya Nelson. And she is taking on the science behind epoxies and how the molecules stick to not only each other, but everything else around them. And as always, there's lots of great tips and tricks found in all of the pages of Fine Woodworking. All of that is in your mailbox right now. And if it isn't, what's going on? You need to subscribe to Fine Woodworking Magazine or even better, become an unlimited member and get access to all of the videos we make, the archive, the complete illustrated guide to woodworking, book series, everything, everything. And also go to bed at night knowing that you have supported your friends here at Shop Talk Live. Thank you for that. If you are an unlimited member, if you're a subscriber, we really appreciate everything you do for us and we appreciate your support. All right, that's enough of that. We've got a quick announcement from Maverick Abrasives and then we'll be back with Anissa, Barry, and little old me. When you're in the middle of a long sanding session, inevitably, you're going to start to think, I wonder if this sanding disc is old and used up. And I found that the best time to switch to a new sanding disc is the moment you think about it. Every second after that is wasted time. Maverick Abrasives is a family-run manufacturer of all things abrasives, such as sanding belts and sanding discs. Their manufacturing facility is located in Anaheim, California, where knowledgeable experts are on call Monday through Friday to answer any sanding or finishing questions you have. Head on over to maverickabrasives.com and check out their wide assortment of sanding discs. They've got you covered with the best prices on the web, whether you use 5-hole, 8-hole, or festool-hole pattern discs. To top it off, they have free shipping on orders of $200 or more. So join fellow Mavericks Ramon Valdez and Philip Morley and stock up at maverickabrasives.com today. Uh, we had a question, which I didn't put the question in, uh, I just put it as an opening discussion, but it was somebody who will remain anonymous now. Oh no, we have from Dave. Everyone talks about C Bex for its good taste in music and Vic Teslin's talked about his vinyl collection. What music do do they listen to? But this is the part that we're going to answer. What music... Does every do, do the shop talk livers listen to? Personally asked about you, but we're going to pile. Well, on this. no, because it was like yeah, all right, whatever. 
Well, you went to music school. If I'm going to ask anyone about music choices, it's going to be you. You don't ask the guy who went to yeah, music school about he's music. He's super judgmental. Oh, my God. Both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That sounds rather judgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what and, makes what what makes good shop music? But more than half the time I'm listening to NPR, but the other half, <laughs> it's a weird mix of like new stuff that I want to learn about and stuff that I've heard a thousand times. And, and I don't know what the trend is, like why I pick one over the other. I can't listen to, I can't listen to something for the first time in the shop. It's too distracting, right? It's, yeah. yeah. I, I want to focus on that. I want to like, you know, uncover... This, okay. That thing, um, I would say fifty percent of the time, no more than that, probably sixty or seventy percent of the time, I'm listening to podcasts, um, and that's got to be because I can kind of tune it out and I can work, and you can rewind if you need to. You hit the thirty second back button, and you don't feel like you're messing up the flow mm-hmm. with music if if it's too. If it's something I'm too into, I, I can't work. Uh, but this really got me thinking about like what really does like what music makes good shop music. And Barry and I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent, <laughs> <laughs> maybe about two hours on a Monday. I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple hours no work was being done in the cubicles of Ben, Barry and I, Ben and I. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which is not uncommon. Hey. Shots fired, judgy. (laughs) Tom, are you listening to this? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Um, But the worst is when I can hear you guys whispering over the walls. You're just jealous. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Listen, you have decided to isolate yourself in your own little part of the room. You've even and then walled anytime, off. Anytime we start talking, you come over, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. So here's, here's how Anissa wants to play both sides. She goes, yeah, what are you guys talking about? We do have a <laughs> Meanwhile, she has moved in partitions from halfway across the office to like wall off her cube. Which you've remodeled three times in the past four months. Because nobody else in the building has to deal with that, that other I have like a double cube area. Oh, and oh it's, no, it's, it's, it's two cubes. Oh, you guys are taking the context completely out oh, yeah, of here of because the the other side of the cube the that I the used big to house share, is you can't fill it all with furniture. Oh, it's not like that. <laughs> I used to share with Bill Peck, and he was right there next to me, and it was totally fine. But now, since he left, and that whole other section has gotten piled full of stuff, mm-hmm. you guys know it's a. There's so much room for activities. Get out of here. There's no room over there, and I just got sick of looking at it. Exactly the start I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Music. What are you not listening to? Like, what is off limits in the shop? Okay, so I started to make a playlist, Mm -hmm. thinking, all right, Let's all make playlists of shop music. You think everybody cares what we listen to? Do you think anybody? I think that guy does. Okay. That's how we get all our questions. <laughs> what did this one person ask? Let's okay, answer this you're one right, per- you're right, you're right. <laughs> Judgy number three. <laughs> um, so I, I started making a playlist. I went through and I tried to make it like palatable to the public, not just stuff that I – well, stuff that I like, but not like my favorites – Something that I thought would be good shop music, not too distracting. And as I was going through the list, can't be too high speed. Tempo, I should say. Um, Music school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, medium tempo. Okay. I shouldn't want to dance to it. Dude. I put some Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings, and then I was in my shop, and I was like, whoa, I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. <laughs> that happened when we had the old shop at, like, Stevie Wonder, Prince was on. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh wait, I'm at the table song. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, mellow, mid-tempo. 
that's that's my shop playlist. That's my shop music playlist. It's kind of like a like the same concept with a running playlist. It has to be the right. Oh, what is this running you speak? Of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so you tempo your runs, right? Oh, do you like, want to? Sorry, go on. Do you yeah. want the music to be semi ignorable, like like not ambient stuff? But almost music. Yeah, well, in that fashion, at work and in the shop, I've been listening to more jazz than I ever have in my entire life. Oh. Yeah. And he was in a jazz band. (laughs) He plays jazz uke. (laughs) Don't you think it depends on what you're doing, what your mood is that day? Oh, if you're cutting dovetails. You, right. You, if you have to think about a lot of measurements and you're doing something really critical, it might be better not to have any music. You know. Do you if ever work in silence? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. And you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's enough noise in my head. I will find myself working in silence and as the moment I realize it, I, I put something on. Uh, if I notice it, I'll put something on. The question is like, I'm not sure I'm going to notice it, but if I notice it, yeah. I feel music. like it's wasted time if I don't listen to something in the shop. Hmm. Yeah. Like I can double down. I like I can, that, yeah. I can do something, I can, two things I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't, I'm not a multitasker in any way, shape or form. So I can't, if I'm, if I really need to critically think about something that I'm doing, I cannot have anything else going on. So in your cubicle, when you throw those headphones on, there's no music going on? Oh, God, on? no. That's just tuning everybody it's out. It's just earmuffs? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, those are just, that's just like shop hearing protection that I okay. sit in the, at my desk <laughs> wearing. <laughs> All right, so what have you been listening to recently? Because I've been listening to the same three, four things in the shop for a while now. Oh, okay, so, if, all right. Um... Do you know already, to get like, into it? Well, no, no, I do. I, no, I'm just going to say, like, oh, here, here comes the, the judgy part two. Because um, I've already gotten a comment on the on the podcast about somebody being like, oh, Chris Dealey, or whatever. But uh, Punch Brothers okay. is like a go-to because it's, it's thematic. You can put it on. I like listening to whole records. Yes. I will p- put my iTunes playlist on random, and that almost bothers me more because I find myself in the middle of a task, and I don't want to listen to that song that just came on yeah. random, and having to put down what I'm doing and and tend to yeah. iTunes. So a record that I'm really into, um, I've been listening to uh, Julian Lodge, who's a jazz guitar player, um, and just about anything Chris Thiele does. Okay. I can put them on and listen beginning and end. Me? Mm-hmm. So Wilco? I never thought I liked Wilco. Oh, Billy Bragg and Wilco. Do you, I, do you Mermaid Avenue? Have you heard that? You must know that. Maybe. Oh. It, it, so it's been kind of ignorable, you know, and it, but I know that I like the sounds now. I like being Wilco being around me. Sturgill Simpson and D'Angelo. The new- see, the D'Angelo doesn't fit in that. No, see, this, so there's <laughs> a track on his newest album where I start grooving real hard. And it's like the hips go, I'm like, nope, forward. And so it's not. But other than that, it just, it, it, he nails it for me. Huh, okay. But sometimes I'm in like a metal mood too. So it's, it's I the- used to walk in the, in 191 and you'd be listening to stuff and it cranked and it was like, <laughs> what is there's going one- on? Listen to some like new Prince album, not even classic Prince. Cause I wanted to learn about yeah. new Prince. And Ben was in there for 10 minutes. He goes, yo, can I, could, could we, turn, could we just turn this down a bit? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also that horrible Bose thing, that oh, stereo yeah, that, yeah. That, that was just aggressively not good sounding. I regret not seeing Prince live. Oh man. Oh, yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. So we're going to share our playlists. We're going to, we're each coming up with, uh, with shop music playlists It'll be on Apple Music. We'll try and get them on Spotify as well. Um, and we're going to share them publicly. And this is going to be oh, this is going to be tough. I know. Oh, you didn't know that we were going to broadcast? All right, Barry and I will then. Yeah. Because Barry and I have been really doing nothing but working on our playlist the past three days. 
So, so this issue is going to be late, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Website's down. <laughs> I thought we were just going to put like a photograph of a list somewhere, but or we're like actually going to make it easy to yeah, so that people can yeah. gotcha okay. listen to and like judge your taste in music. E- so, are there a certain number of songs? What, like, we've been trying to get you to talk about this for about three days now. Yeah. Oh, but I kept saying, just tell me what you decide on. <laughs> You've given me nothing. It needs to be at least an hour long. Okay. Yeah, that's the only rule I'm coming up with. Yeah, I agree. All right. I think I think we should have a comp- we should turn this into a competition. P- can people vote on whose playlist they like the best? Well, now you can't stop them. yeah so um and then also like post in the comments or something what what everyone else listens to or or maybe i'll put up a survey it's like podcast music silence oh we could have like a crowdsourced playlist that would be garbage but i'd love to have it though (laughs) (laughs) who beepered my playlist (laughs) (laughs) all right Let's answer some questions. Yeah. All right. First question is from Max. I found a workbench on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> the top is a bit warped and the legs rack quite a bit. Since this bench is so old, is it okay to plane the bench flat and build new legs? I currently use a bench that's built into my basement. Rebuilding this bench would be my first priority, but is there any reason that I shouldn't? Lastly, can I just flatten the top or should I flatten the bottom first and then the top? Thank you. So, Max, you've found a pretty cool bench. I mean, this is yeah. a stout uh, continental I think so, yeah. style bench. Uh, it looks like a full three, four inches thick. Um, I don't see a reason why not to, why not use it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, would refurb that. Unless that was like Krenov's bench or Frid's bench refurb that. Well, it was found on the side of the road, so so probably Krenov's yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, David Welter has that bench. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's in. It's going to be in the next issue. Krenov's bench in David Welter's shop with David making a spoke shave. It's it's the not. last shop is David pushing it out of his moving car on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Max from? Uh, Fort Bragg. (laughs) 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 All right. So, so then, so every whatever. Would you two refurb it? Like, yeah. With like, I don't want to build a workbench. I don't understand people who want to build a workbench. If you stumble across one on the side of the road, it is meant to be. I that I agree with. Yeah. And he can take the cat that I just picked up on the side of the road too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just teasing you, Ben. So we actually, Chris Schwartz, Lost Art Press, is going to do an article on this. Who? (laughs) I'm not wearing them across the I know. It's just a coincidence. That's why I'm looking at you saying Lost Art Press. Is this woodworker? You might have heard of him. Chris Schwartz. Chris Schwartz. Um, So he's going to do an article that's about not building a new workbench, improving and rehabbing the one that you already have. Oh, so last time I did this, we kind of just left the reader or the person who asked the question and everybody else listening just hanging. So I contacted Chris and I showed him the photos of this bench and um, he said, and I'm going to quote him. Who are you? From the, <laughs> from the looks of it, this is a classy cabinet maker's bench from the late 19th century. Solid top, square bolts, and lots of mass. Then he goes on to say, congrats, you lucky jerk. <laughs> um, but seriously, he said, if it were me, I'd try to keep the whole thing. First, shore up the base, tighten the existing bolts. If they're stripped, take the base apart and see if you can reassemble it so it is again sound. This might involve shimming tenons, adding wedges, pegs, whatever. With the base, hopefully made sound, put the top back on. If it still tips or rocks, shim it. Or add new stretchers to the top of the base and bolt them to the underside of the bench top. Then flatten the bench top, clean and wax the vice screws, and enjoy your bench. Woodworkers spend hundreds of dollars to find a bench like this. And interior decorators spend thousands <laughs> to put them in the kitchens of New York City apartments. Yeah, part of me was. Wondering. Yeah. 
Well, Chris Schwartz just answered the question, so let's move on. Yeah, sorry. I agree. I'm, yeah, sorry. There's no reason. I'm sorry. There's no reason for us to dive into that. Yeah. After Chris does it, yeah. Really? Thanks, yeah. Anissa. I'm sorry. Unless we can get, like, Scott Landis on the phone. I think we're like, we got this thing settled, you know? But I'm working on this article, and I have nothing to add. No. To, give more so. of our work to Chris. <laughs> I'm okay with outsourcing. No, he's doing the article for us. I know. We just answered the question on the podcast. So turning the page. Well, he's going to give specific examples on a whole bunch of different workbenches. I'm not being snarky. Yeah, you I'm, are. No, I'm very – no. Okay. Now I feel bad for answering the question in no, the best Chris way. No, Chris was answering the question. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, we're just not as good. Yeah. No, I fully embraced <laughs> this. this. Okay. Is- <laughs> uh, all right. So there you go. Uh, question number two from Keith. Let's see if Chris Schwartz has an answer for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Shop Talk Live number 181, and I was surprised when Anissa mentioned her run-in with the radial arm saw. I wasn't surprised that she was injured by one, (laughs) as that's somewhat common. However, I was taken aback by the mention of the rule that you should never rip on a radial arm saw. My father has been ripping stock on his 10-inch Craftsman radial arm saw for 30 years now and has never had any problems with it. Granted, there's an enormous amount of setup involved, but the Craftsman has performed admirably and has a driving knife-style separator on the shroud that helps prevent kickback. So, what did happen? Kickback ripping on the radial arm saw. So it didn't have a driving knife? No. Yeah. I don't... I'll have to look into that, but I don't think a lot of them do. I I was surprised when I read that. I thought, is this like a radial arm saw from Europe? No, he said it's a craftsman, right? I know the newer ones do, but... um. This this is one of those like yeah I know a guy who's like ninety and like ate bacon and smoked cigarettes, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but my yeah. doctor says I shouldn't do that. Um, I think a lot of the problems is maybe the setup involved in ripping. Your father might be very thorough with, and many wouldn't be. Because I think it's probably pretty easy for that blade to get skewed to the fence which you're ripping from. Mm-hmm. Um, that being, you know, parallel to each other might be a difficult task on a lot of machines. Also, a lot of radial arm saws are old DeWalt's, which are beefy and great, but no riving knife. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it, but I've used a radial arm saw like twice in my life, you know, but people say don't rip on it, so I'm not going to rip on it, you know? Are they saying it like, don't knock a radial arm saw, don't <laughs> rip a radial arm saw, don't rip on it? <laughs> it's a quality tool. There's a lot of them out there, but there's, I, I don't, I don't see a reason to seek one out. That's my main thing with radial arm saws. You know, I, that's, I learned on the radial arm saw with my dad. And um, granted, I was pretty young when this happened, but I had been using it for years prior. Um, I think my dad and I were actually working on something together, and um, he had never had an accident with the with the radial arm saw. Um, and it was just one of those things. I, I don't, it was so long ago, I don't remember if I set up the saw, if he had set it up, um, but it kicked back and the board guy, I don't even remember which hand it was. I think it was my left hand. Um, but I, I really never used it again except to crosscut on it mm. after that. I kept the thing for decades. I probably only got rid of it 10 years ago. Um, but it's one of those things. They were they became really widely available at Sears, and a lot of home shops had them, and there are just so many better options right now. Can you do it safely? Yeah, I think that you can. And I think accidents can happen on any power tools. But I just think there are so many options that take more of the risk out inherently than with a radial arm saw. And that could just me being afraid of it now. But I think I have a healthy 
respect for all the machines that I'm using, and mm-hmm. I don't. I try not to do stupid things. I, when I first started woodworking, I did really stupid things. L- looking back, I, I think I was freehand cutting a sh- an entire sheet of MDF on like a little $120 table saw. And I think I tipped the table saw over doing it. You know, I mean, it was like, and I, people yell at me all the time whenever I start this conversation, but I think that oh yeah, power tools <laughs> need to be more expensive. <laughs> oh, Really? I think that you shouldn't be able to go out and spend $120 on a table saw that could really mess you up because you're not going into it with the weight it should be given. Like, I know, I know, like, I'm just opening up you know, comments left and right. But nowadays, though, you can pretty much learn how to perform brain surgery on YouTube. So if you can... If you can buy that machine or that tool for 120 bucks and, and yeah. you're not bright enough to go onto YouTube and learn how to use it or ask somebody to use it before you're using it, then I feel like this is going to come back and like get my fingers no, or something. You're right. There is more information available today than there ever the, has yeah. been. Yeah. I, you're, you're right. Yeah. So, and I, every, pretty much every manufacturer has a YouTube channel and has videos of how to use their machines and tweak them. And so I don't know. I think I definitely don't think tools should be more expensive. <laughs> That's what I'm getting I just, at. I, it's, it's, it's not that they should be. What I'm saying is not necessarily that they should be more expensive, even though I explicitly said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that they, they should not be used without the, without putting the thought and effort into it that you and I and the listeners know the focus and the respect given to a table saw or a radial arm saw is immense. There is nothing more important in the world than what you are doing on that tool right at that very moment. And that's not the way it's done most of the time with a lot of people beginning. Agree. Yeah. And with you, like how do you impart the gravity to that, that tool needs without, you know, Tripling yeah. the price. Like, how do you like, do that? Like, should the cashier at Home Depot give lectures to people? I think there should be a, like, <laughs> you know, a like, video on loop of kickback, like near a table saw, you know? Like, if you go into the table saw section, there's just like a board. Your cross kind of goes, <laughs> like, oh, oh, I should learn how to use this shit now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get very, very nervous when even my dad uses his table saw. Um, because I like I walked up to his table saw last time I saw he, he had it out he was ripping like a one by four or something for a piece of trim and I looked and I measured and it was like that fence is pointing into the blade dad mm-hmm. into the back of the blade you know that is a problem um and he, my dad's a careful guy he is a guy who takes things seriously takes safety seriously but he didn't know that his 1950s seven-inch craftsman yeah. table saw was not set up since the 1950s, you know? So I think it's it's just one of those things. Anytime I hear somebody getting a table saw, it's like, can I please lecture you? Oh, dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> so in, around Christmas, I'm going to Florida to visit family. My brother just got a table saw. I'm like, I'm going to set up that thing, make everything parallel. You know? Because I know the fence isn't parallel. He, yeah, he's had trouble with the crosscut. No, the the miter slots aren't probably the fence too. But like, I'm yeah. gonna make that thing safe. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. All right. All right. I was. I I thought you had more. Nope. Okay. Well, who wants to go and admit their smooth move? Mine isn't even that good. I didn't screw anything up this week. I had some pretty rough moves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think you should go because Anissa explicitly asked for smooth moves. That's true. She's really proud about her. So let's yeah. put the weight entirely on her. Yeah. All right. Pregnant pause. And so mine was embarrassing mainly because the last time I was on the podcast, I said, pre-finish everything. <laughs> it's the best thing to do. <laughs> and so I built this little display case thing and it was, explicitly to do 
the dovetail dividers that Will Neptune did in a recent issue. I forget which one. Super fun to do. Brilliant method. And I was like, the project was just coasting. My upstairs neighbors weren't home. I was doing a ton of work. And I felt good because I thought I intuited, yeah, intuited like the next step instead of thinking, oh, what do I have to do now? You just feel it. And Mm -hmm. I was in a flow. And I glue this thing up. I'm like, oh, I didn't pre-finish the shelf. (laughs) And the the, the sides are pine. And it was like hand plane finish. I there wasn't no finish was going to go on them. The shelf was oak. And I wanted to oil it. Like oh, now I need to work around the the the, the sides and the dovetails in the front. I have to like tape off the pine and hope the oil doesn't seep through. Oh. And it wasn't a big screw up, but it was like trying to work oil into corners. It was just embarrassing because I got on a high horse about pre finishing. And the fix takes a long time in that. Well, yeah, because yeah. and you're taping off, and you're like, well, I hope that tape's going right <laughs> up to the shelf, because if not, it's going to look splotchy. But that was, I mean, that, that's it. It was not a good one. It just felt shameful because I was so insistent about pre-finishing. Cool. Yeah. Do you want yeah, to go next? You would think that you would have pre-finished. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thunked. Yep. You Are you judging next? him? I am. Okay. Number four. all right so mine still stings because this has happened twice now where i am sitting there in my shop the night before we record a podcast everyone (laughs) wants to do smooth move i'm sitting there like i must have screwed something up and it was like i was coming up with not great ones you know like 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 mine (laughs) 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 and um i started to uh Last night I was sawing the fret slots in my uh, ukulele, and uh, Jeff's all over the place with the. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, I have a piece of paper glued to this fretboard blank, and you just, you know, Mike and I probably we we precisely laid out these these lines on this piece of paper and measured them, and they're exact. So if I saw on this line mm-hmm. the fret is where it needs to be and did this on the first ukulele placed wonderfully in tune doing it on the second one the first time i made like this little sled to hold the entire fretboard and hold it it made it easier to saw perfectly 90 degrees and blah 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 um this one i didn't i threw out that old sled i don't know why and this one i didn't i was just using a bench hook and sawing on the line. And if you go back one to the one that you were at, okay. So you just, this is my sight line from as I was doing the first 17 frets. Mm-hmm. I was sighting on the left hand side of the fret saw. Uh, this is, and this is like a Japanese style saw designed for cutting frets and it has a stop. And if you go to the next photo, I am lining up that line again and sawing the next line. But what I didn't realize is that there is a piece of quarter-inch plexiglass that is a stop, a depth stop. And in reality, I lined up the depth stop to the line. I did not line up the saw to the line. Sawed the fret, pulled the saw away, and the Fret is a quarter of an inch or so away from where it needs to be. Or it's probably more of an eighth of an inch. I had two more frets to saw. (laughs) This is a $40 blank. And it is the only piece on a ukulele that I cannot go into a wood pile in the corner of my shop and pull another piece out. It takes like a week and change to get them in. They... Ship from California and the place I buy them from takes forever, and I I'm still worked up over this. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, still me too. just so irritated about this. Um, thankfully, I found a little bit of a cheaper source for it, and it's it's just like everything else. I would buy five of mm-hmm. this. They're forty dollars. Yeah, I can't. I can only buy one at a time. So it's like you screw it up and you are sitting on the bench for a week. And I am just, yeah. Are things halted now? Like, is this? I'll work on the headstock a little bit. I'll, yeah, but I mean, the, well, and so the reason why I was doing the fretboard that last night 
was I needed to I needed to saw out the the fretboard and put it on the neck so that it can help me visualize the headstock. I'm struggling with my headstock design. Uh-huh. And the neck is oversized because you you trim it down after the fact. I wanted the fretboard on there so I can visualize the headstock a little bit more. So I'm going to still cut this out to use as a visualization tool to work on the headstock. But yeah, I'm halted fretboard wise until I get, and it's like, yeah, I spent a night radiusing it. I spent, you know, it's just, it was like one of those mistakes that just really, really irritates you. And there's nothing you can do to fill that, (sighs) fix it. I could fill it, but there's going to be a line there and it's not worth forging ahead to save $40 and have a line on an instrument that is going really, really well right Right. now. You know, it's like, this could be a really nice instrument and there's no, you know, there's no way that I can think of to fill it in a way that, that would, that would not make me cringe anytime I, I played it. So. Yeah. That's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my smooth move. Sometimes they just they sting more than others. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, you really killed the mood in here, man. I, re- right? I really did. did. Well, no, I think I I started to kill it with the table saw should be more expensive thing. <laughs> 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 but it, that, it, it was one of those things where like I came in, my wife's weaving away, and I was like, I just ruined my fretboard, <laughs> and I just like walked into the living room, and she was like, and and her and I have this discussion all the time where. You know, she's a, a weaver by trade, and, you know, sometimes things happen. And it's like, well, that's part of it, babe, you know? And, and it was like, oh, I'm never going to say that again. And she was like, I just wasted all this yarn. And it's like, well, that's just part of doing business. <laughs> yeah. Empathy much? <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's a sad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some smooth was, moves are funny. Yeah, and, and some I was of them are just present sad. this one with a little bit more lightheartedness, and it just it. I still don't have it. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe we'll, we'll re-record it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, mine is just dumb. <laughs> You're the one who insisted. On I know, because I still can't believe I did it. Um, <clears throat> So you know what box jumps are. You know what box mm-hmm. jumps are. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Does everybody? I don't know because I've seen him like judging. Those, wow, I'm not judging. No, box. I'm not judging anybody. He's posted crazy <laughs> videos of box jumps. Yeah. And I have talked with people who don't know what box jumps are. Okay. Really? Yeah. Well, explain it for for the audience in case you're so, ignorant. Who you're really? better than? No. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> so a box jump is this thing that you do just jump on this box. It's a plywood box. And like in I didn't know what they were until a few years ago when a friend convinced me to do CrossFit. And so it's just this plywood box and it has like wide finger joints and you can um position it three different ways. So you have a low height, a medium height, and a the highest height. And I wanted to get one so I could do box jumps at home after I go for a run with my running partner. And um, so I thought, you know what, I'll just get some plywood and I'll make my own. But then I waited out and I, because I looked on Amazon and it was 80 bucks or something for this, you know, but everything's pre-cut and pre-drilled. And I thought by the time I go, go to Home Depot or wherever and grab plywood and then Rip it into rip it to width and then cut all those joints. Yeah, they're and kind like, of unwieldy. To it's, cut, yeah, yeah, it's kind of just like this weird thing. I'm just gonna suck it up and order this box jump, flat packed, and it's made so that when you turn it, each you there are handles so that it's easy to move around. And I thought, oh. I work at Fine Woodworking. I went to the print-off school. <laughs> I can put this thing together. Here go the directions. Oh, no. Well, you know what I did? I put this thing together so none of the handles line up. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a handle 
here, and I can't pick the thing up uh, because there's only one handle, and it's just too heavy and unwieldy yeah, to carry by one handle. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Did you at least get the grain to wrap around it? Ah. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> And even without the directions, I should have picked up on that. But it was just like, I'm going to put this thing together really quick, and then I'm going to start jumping up and down on this box. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you're in the right mindset. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So that's just dumb. I still feel really bad about yours because that's, you know, like that's one of those things that could pretty much – that happens to people. Like Mm -hmm. I could see even as you were – I was looking at those photos. I couldn't figure out what you were doing wrong because you can't see that, yeah, that thing yeah, on there. Yeah. Well, and not to bring it back to mine again, but the other thing is that is that little stop is a piece of plexiglass. But I never took the protective film off of it. So is it the an extra offset? So, no. If, if you go to the next one, Jeff, that's a piece of plexiglass with like the paper on it. So if you took the protective cover off, it wouldn't look it like the wouldn't saw have blade. Like the side yeah. of the saw. But like Mr. Me, it's like, oh, don't scratch the plexiglass until you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep this this protective film on here so that my <laughs> my big <laughs> takeaway is Mr. Me. I think Dude, I didn't well, even notice that that was so the bad stop. For you. Yeah, that's the stop. It's that's, not the saw. I exactly. thought, I'm looking at the photos like I'm stunned as George's happening, but smile and nod. <laughs> you have the same oh, look in all of the dude. meetings. That we- <laughs> dude. That's why I couldn't figure out what you were yeah, doing wrong. It's, that all is right. the, not the saw. Oh. And, well, because And the, the teeth are only projecting from that like 30 thousandths of an inch. It's a little Japanese pole saw, yeah, right? Like, so, super fine. so it's like there's no way that you could see the teeth under there. It was, yeah. It's, Dude. I'll never, that one I will never make. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we take a quick break? Yeah. All right. Christian Bexford, Peter Follinsby, Peter Galbert, Chris Gochner, Garrett Hack, Dave Richards and David Heim, Nancy Hiller, Raleigh Johnson, Steve Lotta. Tom Lee Nielsen, Christina Madsen, Tom McLaughlin, Mike Pekovich, Chris Schwarz, Bob Van Dyke, and this year, the patron saint of hand tools, Roy Underhill. If that lineup doesn't get you excited, nothing will. Fine Woodworking Live 2020, April 17th through 19th, Southbridge, Massachusetts, early bird registration, Right now. Get on it. Question number three from Tank. I've been woodworking for two years. It's been a steep learning curve, but I've but one I've enjoyed immensely. I try to learn one to two new skills per project with a focus on not repeating myself or staying in the safe zone. Uh, I like results, and I try to turn out furniture a, a furniture piece every four weeks or so. Slow clap for Tank. Dude, you that's kidding pretty, me? That's, He's productive. Like Peckfitz would do mm-hmm. a double take. <laughs> that said, I can't will myself to try more challenging methods of joinery, such as mortise and tenons. So far, I've exclusively used the Dalmax for all of my joinery. Piston foot... Piston fit, <laughs> piston fit quality dove dowels with generous amounts of glue. Am I a hack? Is there anything wrong with dowel construction? Am I being impatient or lazy by not taking the time to slow down and learn tried and true fine woodworking methods? Or is it okay that I focus on the parts of woodworking that I enjoy? The inner conflict is strong. Oh, there is no conflict here. I think it's totally great the way he's going about it yeah you know if you spend your time doing what you feel like doing in the shop and eventually if you first of all dowels are great that's definitely not a hackable method or that doesn't make sense he's not a hack for using that right, method. Yeah. yeah and um i think once no more he, than krenov was right <laughs> <laughs> um i think that at a certain point it's just going to naturally 
pique his interest to learn how to do dovetails or do yeah. mortise and tenons or whatever. When he, you know, like it's so exciting and his enthusiasm for what he's building is so kind of infectious. Yeah. And at a certain point, he's going to make all this stuff and then he's going to say, well, you know what? I've done everything I feel like doing with this method that I'm using now. And eventually he's going to branch out into whatever. Like, well, you don't have to force it. If, if, if you look at Tank's feed, it's, he's into modern pieces. Yeah. You know, mid-century style pieces. And we've talked about this before. It's like dovetails don't always fit on every style of furniture. But eventually he's probably going to design dovetails into a project. And then there you go. Yeah. You're doing dovetails all of a sudden. But Yeah, I think it's great the way he's going about it. And I mean, I just recently made that sp- a spice rack in my house based on um Ooh, we had a designer's notebook on that long piece. Oh, yeah, Jeremy's yeah. yeah. Zeitz, Jeremy Zeitz. Yeah. yeah, it was really beautiful. Oh, with the numbers? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. With the growth rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so blown away by that piece, and I have so little time, and I ended up just taking that long, not so narrow for like it's a you know what i'm talking yeah, about Yeah, long form i'm just shelf, kind of rambling kinda, yeah. and i just took that and i got some nice boards and i screwed a little like a long spice rack and it, my pots hang from the bottom and the spices are across it and then i have all kinds of like stuff for my kids on top so not as beautiful and sparse as the images that you'll see in the magazine of his piece but I just wanted that piece. I yeah. thought about it and I screwed it together and it's going to last forever the way it, the way I built it and it took an hour to build and I'm super happy with it. So yeah. I I think it's great. You have an idea, make it happen whatever way you can make it happen. I think I think the quick projects too sometimes are uh I made that that display shelf for Katie and it was like I had a day to do it and I knocked it out and it's dominoes and you know hardware store strap hinges and but it's it's nice to go through something quickly yeah um and not get wrapped up in all these little oh doesn't need to be a haunched mortise and tendon doesn't mm-hmm. need to be you know this and that it just just make something and if dolls help you do that and you're making something once every four weeks yeah, or dude, so get i out mean of here. even even if you're lying and it's eight weeks <laughs> 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 yeah. I I don't I don't think that there should be any because there's a lot of pieces out there that are made with mortise and tenon and dovetails and hand plane services and they're ugly. Mm-hmm. And if you make a piece that you like the look of and you're happy and it doesn't yeah. fall apart on you, the house are great. Yeah, those are my two notes. If he's hitting the design aspects that he wants, like the dowels aren't limiting limiting him aesthetically, yeah. and the stuff's not falling apart, go for it. You know, and I'm not calling dowels weak, but like you said, if you're building strong furniture that you think looks good, have at it. You know, I do think though that there is a strength advantage to other joinery. Dowels are, and there was a. There's a Hoadley yeah. who who just recently passed. Um, there was a Hoadley uh, article about dowels that really did make me re- mm-hmm. not rethink dowels, but um, it made me it made me put them one notch below where I did have them strength wise. But that said, James Krenov used dowels and. Most of his furniture, right? Yeah, like use them where they're appropriate. Like, don't put them in a chair, you know? Yeah. Like, right? Or no, should I put them in a chair, Anissa? She's going to tell me to do, do you what have I a dowel want. chair? Do I have a dowel chair? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Do you have a dowel chair? No. I most certainly have a dowel chair. Oh, yeah. No, my father has a bunch of them. He re glues them every winter. <laughs> 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 I have vivid memories of sinking a pocket screw into one. Like, I'm not dealing with this. No, I, it's Hoadley's argument, though, is that the expansion and contraction of dowels, um, they will expand and contract in one direction more than the other direction. Yeah. Just by, by definition. And they will loosen up because of that. 
Now, how much of that are you going to get in a three eighths inch dowel that you're using a dowel max with? Heart none. A negligible amount of expansion and contraction in a three inch dowel. So that's not of concern to me if you're doing cases with dowels. It's more, you know, a, a one inch dowel is going to have more wood movement in it than you might want. So if you're going to do that, you should probably be wedging it or you should probably be adding some sort of pinning or like something. screwing in it. Yeah. But. I'll I'll post the link to the Hoadley article. It's really, it's really, really good. good. Everything that man did was really, really good. The way people drop his name, like, it's in Hoadley. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I've never, I have the Hoadley Understanding Woodbook, mm-hmm. but I haven't read it. Have you? I've read through it. Okay. Like beginning to end? Mm. I've read through it, not beginning <laughs> to end. You know, just kind of looking for whatever I was. So the way you would use like a dictionary, that, whatever okay. I was needing yeah, at that as time, a, yeah. yeah. As for research, yeah, yeah. Um, what did Andrew tell you? Andrew Hunter. So he said, "Oh, and Hoadley, Bob, or I learned this from Hoadley, and he said it three, four times in a shoot." I was like, "Dude, I don't know how you read that. That thing is a science textbook." And he goes, "I've read it, but the way I did it was like you read one page, then you read that page again." And the next day, you read the next page and read that page again. On the third day, you read the third page, read the third page again. And he goes, you do that a few times over the years and you get it. He's like, you can't dive in all at once. You've got to take little bites <laughs> and digest and then you get it. Like, oh, that makes that sounds reasonable. Because the first time I tried with Hoadley, I tried doing it beginning to end and I maybe made 10, 15 pages in. Where it's like, I can't. I, this is not for me. But one piece at a time, that sounds totally reasonable. Yeah. I'm going to try and do that then. Because av- after reading this one dowel article, it was like, holy crap, this guy has a, a better understanding than anyone in the world. Yeah. So. All right. Should we go to question number four? Yeah, let's get it. All right. From Travis. Another person with a Chris Gochner sideboard question. Very popular project of late. It's so pretty. Oh, it's no. beautiful. And the photo too. Yeah. That cover photo, Benzen really nailed that one. I got to see that piece in real life. Mm-hmm. It was great. Chris and I would be talking to each other, and all of a sudden my hand would be on the sideboard, just <laughs> rubbing it. I'm like, I didn't know it was there, Chris. I'm sorry. And five minutes later, same thing. <laughs> all right. In Chris Gochner's recent article, Build a Contemporary Sideboard, I noticed that the case construction requires a piece of white oak that is approximately nine foot long and over 15 inches wide. Nine feet long. Sorry, Barry. What did you say? I thought you were judging me saying nine foot. No, and he probably okay. was. <laughs> <laughs> Any recommendations for how a hobbyist with a benchtop planer that maxes out at 13 inches might go about milling this? I don't love the idea of ripping it into thinner pieces, milling, and gluing back together, but is that the only or best option? I had three ideas. Okay. Not those. Four. Four ideas. So why don't we just let Anissa do it? Hey, no, 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 no. Chris call Morsa. Chris. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So by hand, which probably yeah, is a by job. hand, and we have we have a lot of information on. We have some yeah. information. Yeah. On that. Yeah, we have Andy Ray doing. Oh no, we have Andrew Ooh. Hunter four squaring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think oh, Colin a does David, one. David Moore. David Gene, Moore. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You're yeah, right. with the shoulder plane as a scrub plane, that's bonkers. <laughs> bonkers. Yeah, that's bonkers, right? <laughs> okay. Bye, um, hand. Find a shop with like a wide belt sander. Uh, mm-hmm. and do, yeah, right? Yeah. Darn it. That's the one that I thought. And the router sled thing, like for when you're doing planks. Yep. Yeah. And that, you know. I didn't think you guys were going to say the router sled. I thought I was going to one-up you there. I oh. thought I was going to. But she has one left. No, I thought, well, I kind of do. Um I Call thought David I was going to one-up you on the, just pay somebody else to do it and bring it to their shop. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing it, just one glue line in the middle if you, also, if you end yeah. up ripping it. I know he doesn't want to, but, you know. I would be more likely to go. Sorry, bring it to someone else to have them plan it because I 
don't think I'm going to get that joint perfect and not require a bunch of hand planing or something afterwards. Like, you're still left with 15 inches of something to deal with. Yeah, I think I'd feel comfortable trying to put that back together. Okay. Yeah, especially if you do, like, like have a middle board be narrower and do, like, rifty or quarter, so probably rifty stuff on the outside. You could probably easily hide that glue line. Read a Steve Lotta article on flat panel glue-ups or BVD, you know? But I'd probably still take it to a shop with a wide belt sander. So when we, you were at that shop, would you use the term rifty? No, oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. don't. I'm going to throw him curveballs all the time. Look at Mr. Me saying rifty. <laughs> all small talk done. Get this guy out of here. Get, his right, order, yeah. get him out of here as quickly as you can. So you work at Fine Woodworking? Oh, Mr. Me? I'm doing it. You know, done. Done. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> uh, what were you gonna say? You were gonna say something. I was just going to sum up our options: rip it into narrower boards, yeah, pay somebody, the question, yeah. take it, take it somewhere else, and pay somebody else to do it. Do it by hand, or the router sled. And the thing. router sled nine feet. That's all. That's a. That's long, a big. Yeah sled to make well but that's just you're gonna sorry go on no you you just move it down right like just as long as it stays level well you want yeah but you want one plane across that's true that top section at least right so like it's doable yeah but i think you should just pay someone with a wide belt i agree or a big planer because that's not expensive at all right i did a whole tabletop for like 30 bucks Dude. Best thirty bucks I ever spent. Right. Yeah, my that dining room table. It was it was thirty dollars for it, and just oh, that's I got a flat tire in the parking lot though. (laughs) 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 All right, all right. Let's see. We've got some uh, listener or we've got a listener comment. Uh, I was initially turned off with (laughs) with the constant discussions on how to sharpen my hand tool. But it's been great. The more content variety has taken things to a whole new level. And I want to say that's only because no one's asked sharpening questions lately. (laughs) (laughs) You ask it, we'll probably answer it. So that is the audience dictating the way things go. Um, All right. Anybody have any recommendations? Back on music, Brittany Howard's. I'm not sure if it's Jamie or like Jem, like French I love. But it's not. Anyway. Brittany Howard's probably Jamie. It's really good. She's the lead singer from Alabama Shakes. Oh. Oh, okay. It's a solo thing, and it's so much weirder. Are you going to put that on your list? Your playlist? Maybe. There might be a song in there that get pulled out. So is it like a Dave Auerbach thing where it's like, like all of a sudden the solo artist of the lead person in a band all of a sudden is like, whoa, that's totally different. I wouldn't say it's – it's like if Alabama – I'm going to say D'Angelo again. If Alabama Shakes met D'Angelo. Okay. I think it's somewhere in there. Yeah. Can we do a, like a, a number instead of it has to be an hour long? I recommend seven. <laughs> seven songs? <laughs> We're doing recommendations. Oh. <laughs> I recommend changing the mixtape rules. <laughs> yeah, we can do whatever. We'll, 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 we've got a week. We've okay. got a week to get this, or two weeks to get this. All done. right. Uh, I want to recommend Lock Picking Lawyer. <laughs> On YouTube. Serious. It's the best channel ever. I can watch that for like four hours a day. Is it like a barber surgeon? I was in in my hotel room in San Diego. I watched him pick every lock known to mankind. I swear to God. I watched like 20 of those videos in a row. Oh, I could watch that. It's just this guy with a camera overhead saying, today we have this lock. Does he tell you about the legal implications? (laughs) Does he what? Tell you about the legal implications? No, there's no legal. (laughs) There's no lawyering. There's no lawyering whatsoever. (laughs) There's nothing. It's just lock picking lawyer. The lock picking lawyer. Huh. I love this. He's just picking locks. (laughs) (laughs) And people send him in locks. Like, bet you can't pick this. And I'll pick it. Somebody, somebody sent him a lock. It was another locksmith or, or something. They sent him a lock and a hundred dollar bill. You can keep the hundred dollar bill if you can pick it in five minutes. He picked it in like an, a minute. Serious? This dude was incredible, incredible. Yeah. How yeah. did he put himself through law school? <laughs> <laughs> 
recommendation? I recommend, I was just at Nancy Hiller's shop shooting and she had that bench crafted stool that swivels, like it attaches right to the side of your oh, bench. Yeah. I highly recommend that thing. If not just for the fun factor, but how convenient <laughs> is that, that you have this bench, this little stool that swivels out from your bench, gets tucked away on the side when you're not using it, and you could just sit there and work when you need to sit down. Until you want to sit anywhere else. <laughs> well, then you just sit somewhere else. <laughs> I just, I, I've never understood it. I love all their stuff. That's one I just don't get. And now I judge you. Okay, Mr. Judgy and Mr. Judgy. (laughs) All right, that's all for this episode of Shop Talk Live. If you have questions you'd like us to answer on the show, send them into shoptalkattaunton.com. If you're watching on YouTube, please click that thumbs up button and then click on the lockpicking lawyer. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. believe I put that thing together wrong. Like, you can't take it apart? because I got soft smarty pants and decided I was going to glue it and screw oh! it together. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. I'm not just going to screw this thing together. I'm going to put yellow glue on it too. Because I know how to woodwork.